Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Watkins-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. Coming up on this episode of The Entrepreneurial You, leadership is not so much about getting things done. It's about helping people realize what they truly want out of the life experience that they're having. And a great leader is able to align the needs of people and the needs of the company. And Tony fits into that category very much so. He is a great leader. Welcome to the Entrepreneurial You, the podcast for passionate and dedicated entrepreneurs seeking inspiration. I'm your host, Henneke Watkins-Porto. Be sure to check out the Entrepreneurial You Facebook group and keep checking hennekawatkinsporto.com for updates that we do from time to time. Leave me a voicemail on the website by just clicking on the tab to the middle right of the screen or you may send me an email at hennekawatkinsporto.com at gmail.com to let me know how this podcast is helping you. Today's episode is brought to you by Bookophilia, a space that fosters a peaceful and productive environment for multifaceted creative expression and Pato Apparel, Jamaican messages making the world smile. Have you registered for the upcoming virtual conference and expo happening September 25 to 28 for small businesses? Visit hennekawatkinsporter.com and click on the register for conference tab. John Lee Dumas, J.V. Crum III, Malcolm M.J. Harris and Chris Miles, just to name a few, are excited to help you move from stock to unstock allowing you to create profits and achieve success quickly over these four days. I'm happy to welcome the Jamaica Business Development Corporation and Yellow Jamaica as sponsors for this event. Let's hear from J.V. Crum III, founder of Conscious Millionaire, about why you should attend. J.V. Crum III here, ConsciousMillionaire.com. I am so excited to meet you at the Entrepreneurial You Summit. I work with business coaches and consultants who want to get to their first million while making a positive impact. And I have a podcast syndicated radio show, Conscious Millionaire, that's heard by literally 12 million people in 190 countries. It was named by Inc. Magazine, one of the top 13 business podcasts to listen to in 2017. I'm excited for you to be there. We'll be connecting. Look forward to meeting you at the Entrepreneurial You Summit. Today's guest on the Entrepreneurial You co-founded Time Slips Corp. in 1985, which grew to become the largest time tracking software company in the world. In 1994, Time Slips Corp. was sold to Sage PLC. While at Sage, he went on to run all of Sage US as Chief Operating Officer, a division with 300 people with a market cap 
in excess of $100 million. He was nominated for Inc. Magazine's Entrepreneur of the Year on two separate occasions, 1989 and 1991, and won Best Entrepreneur in 1989 from a pool of 4,000 other nominees by the National Association of Legal Vendors. Today, he helps his clients build recurring revenue streams by using certification. I'm talking about the amazing Mitch Russell. Welcome to the Entrepreneurial You, Mitch. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm really excited about the show today. Awesome. And I have a fun question for you to start. So if you could go back in time, with whom would you like to spend the day? Steve Jobs. Ah, interesting. And a great, yeah, yeah great person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's my favorite person in the world. And I mean, Elon Musk, of course, would be one too, but... For me, Steve Jobs did the, you know, I think he did the impossible. I think he did it um, as, a, as a person who came into this world with both gifts and deficits. And he overcame them and found a way to build something amazing. Now, before we get started into talking about breaking through and being really successful and what inhibits entrepreneurs from, from experiencing that, I would love for you to, at this time, share with us your social media handle so that our peak community members, peak performance community members can reach out to you. Of course. Probably the easiest way to get a feel for what I do is go to MitchRusso.com, M-I-T-C-H-R-U-S-S-O.com. And that's my main website, and everything kind of flows from there. And so, my peak performers, you know already that you can connect with me on hennikawatkisporter.com or patawaparl.com on social media. It's hennikawatkisporter on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, same thing for Patwa Apparel. Now, let's get straight into it, Mitch. What stops most entrepreneurs from really breaking through and being successful? Entrepreneurs who break through appear to be overnight successes when I think most people don't realize how hard it is to find something of value, find a way to present it to others, and also find a way to begin selling it successfully. So entrepreneurship is a journey, and it's never a single action or a single thing. It's a process, a journey, and it requires many different disciplines. And that's why I love entrepreneurship so much. I believe it's one of the most creative ways to challenge yourself to, to and also at the same time to build wealth and to build community. Maybe what I should have even asked you in the very first is, what is success for you? Well, you know, again, it's different for different people. It, success can be money, of course, and that's what a lot of people think of as success. But success can also be satisfaction and the joy of doing the work you love. And I'm sure that's what we all aim to do because we don't want to get stuck, I mean, in a rut. Although some persons are stuck in a nine to five, for example, that they don't enjoy for many reasons, including fear, not just fear of failure, but even fear of success and the pressure that comes from having a successful business and the attention. Some person don't want to, to be criticized. Some person are afraid of being criticized. What do you say to that, Mitch? Well, you know, that criticism is strongest from inside. And most of what people are listening to is that voice inside. And for many people, that voice tells them that they're not smart enough or not good enough. And it's the ability to fight that back, the ability to recognize 
that that's just part of the human nature protection system and overcome it and understand that it's not protecting us at all in this case. It's the same mechanism designed to keep us safe in the jungle, but it's not the mechanism today that is valuable. So the best thing, of course, to do is to try and overcome those feelings. And if anybody else has comments about that like you, then you you simply disregard them because they're simply not valid. Was there ever a point when you had to face your own demons, as it were, in terms of any fear, whether it be fear of failure, fear of criticism, whatever? Were you ever at that point where you had to deal with anything like that? Yes. And in fact, it's, it's, it comes up to this day. I mean, facing one's demons is a, is a big category. But to me, what demons are, are those tiny little voices that say, oh, no, you can't do that. Or, no, 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 you're not good enough for that. Or, there's smarter people in the world than you. Uh, Why do you think you could go off and do that? I mean, those are the demons that haunt too many of us. And in an entrepreneurial life, when you're mostly alone or working in a very small team, that's when the demons get to speak the loudest. And I think our job as entrepreneurs is to overcome those feelings and those voices and instead focus only on outcomes. You started a very successful software company. You ran a very successful software company, and then you sold it, grew it, and sold it. What was that like for you? Take us from the beginning of you know the conceptualization stage into actually seeing it manifested into such a successful company. Sure. I think like many good ideas that, that materialize in this world, that idea did not start as the idea that materialized. It started as a different idea. It started as an idea to keep track of time so that I could deduct my computer from my taxes. Because back then, computers were thought of as toys by the IRS. So my partner and I agreed that this was a great idea, and we built an entire system to keep track of time to make sure we can deduct them from our taxes. And just about the time that we had quit our jobs and we worked on the software, we got it finished, and we're ready to launch, the IRS relaxed its rulings on that very thing. So without any notice at all, we found ourselves with a completely useless product. And so what we had to do was we had to decide whether we wanted to abandon that project or find a different way to repurpose it if there was one. And luckily we did. We realized that our tool, which was great at keeping track of time, can be used even more effectively than we had originally thought to keep track of client time so that you could later bill it as services. And that became the basis of Time Slips Corporation our creation of time and billing software that later became the number one product for lawyers and accountants to keep track of their time and bill it. You had to pivot. We did. Talk to us about that time when for entrepreneurs, because every one of us at some point or another, we start an idea, uh, we start to develop the idea and recognize that, hey, it's not going the way we planned. We've got to pivot or, or we've got to take another road. How would you encourage entrepreneurs who are, at that very pivotal point, no, as it were, to just don't give up but continue and to contemplate thinking of providing another solution. 
Well, you know, there's a very famous story about a pivot by someone who um, we may know of. His name is Fred Smith, and he invented FedEx. I'm sure you've heard of FedEx, right? Of course. We use FedEx all the time here <laughs> in Jericho. Right, of mm-hmm. course. So what is interesting about this story is that initially the idea, the concept for FedEx, which was originally, if you remember, called Federal Express. Right. The original idea was to try to find a way to cut down the amount of time it takes to process checks. So it used to take seven days to process a check in the United States. And this guy named Fred Smith thought that that was too long. So his idea was to load airplanes filled with processing equipment and fly these checks as they're deposited across the country in a, uh, to a central location, process the checks in air, and then when the plane lands, distribute them to the banks. So it would change the amount of time it would take for check processing from seven days down to one day. And it was a pretty brilliant idea, except there was one thing he did not take into account. That was the weight of the equipment required to process the checks. It turns out the equipment was far too heavy to load onto planes and to power and process. So he had to pivot. So what ended up being the most important element of this entire idea was having central hubs where you can redistribute the contents of planes and get it out to destinations. And that became the brilliance of FedEx. So now when shipping an overnight package, and there's a great story, if you if you Google it, you'll find the story of how FedEx started with a wedding dress and how FedEx began and its first customer was a woman who needed to get a wedding dress across the country in 24 hours. And that became, you know, at that point, they were flying private planes and little itty bitty planes, but that became the beginning and the ramp up between one or two packages a day in the beginning to now over 15 million packages a day. So that's a famous pivot. But the thing you asked is how do you deal with the initial failure and having to pivot? Well, I have a saying, and it it goes like this, you never actually fail until you give up. And the reason I wanted to put it that way is because I think a lot of people give up too soon. And I think a lot of people give up because they tried hard and it didn't work, and they call that a failure. And I think your point, which is very well taken, is instead of quitting, why don't you call that a pivot and try something else? And if that doesn't work, maybe think about trying something else and see what the market is telling you. That, to me, is the best way to handle the idea of not initially being successful. And an interesting point at which we can take a break right here. And we are talking with Mitch Russo. Mitch is an author. He is Inc. Magazine Entrepreneur of the Year. He is a phenomenal person and he is giving us so much value here. You know, we're ending this uh, segment on pivoting and, and the fact that we have to do it as entrepreneurs from time to time. We must never, ever give up. Let's take a break. Peak performers, success is something that we gradually work towards as an end goal, but we need to be in the right environment to make it happen. Bookophilia is dedicated to providing a space for book, coffee and tea lovers, creatives, educators and students, and professionals who want ideas, innovation and inspiration. They have a variety of high quality books, a cafe, 
Events such as book launches, signings and art exhibitions and professional services uniquely tailored to your needs, culture and tastes. Their environment provides for the full literary arts experience, allowing for multifaceted creative expressions. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bookophilia. Welcome back. And Mitch, let's continue our discussion. Now, you worked very closely with Tony Robbins. That's right, I did. And we want to get a sense from you. He's somebody that we really admire. Many of our community members here admire him. I do admire his work, you know, and how good he is at what he does. Now, give us a sense of... How different he is, you know, in everyday life versus his on-stage persona. Tony is one of the most genuine, most real people I have ever known. He is probably, in a sense, the reason why many, many people are successful in this world. When you hear Tony on stage, he's loud, of course, and he's, he's, he's performing, if you will. But when you meet him off stage and you spend time with him, he is the ultimate in becoming a person who is curious, who is become who is a person who is focused on you. And and again, I want to tell you a little story about exactly what I mean. When I uh, first got involved with working with Tony, he invited me very kindly to attend uh, some of his events, and I was thrilled for the chance to do that. And I asked if I could bring my daughter, and he said yes. So I brought my daughter to this event, and it was uh, basically uh, the Unleash the Power Within, which was an amazing, incredible event. And he knew that I wanted to get a picture with him and my daughter before the event was over. So after that first day when the event was in full force, I mean, we had gone 14 hours, and Tony, of course, must have been exhausted at that point. He sent one of his people to find me and say that Tony would like to speak to me and my daughter. So we did that. We got together and we met with Tony behind this empty stage uh, at 1.30 in the morning. And Tony was kind enough and interested enough to sit down with my daughter and I and spend 40 minutes asking my daughter about her future, about her life, and about all of the things that she was excited about. That, to me, was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen and made me feel just so good. And that was the way I remember Tony being the real person, the person who gives, not the person who takes. And very interested in not just his own success and achievements, but also in the success of others. A wonderful trait to have as a leader. Exactly. And, you know, leadership is not so much about getting things done. It's about helping people realize what they truly want out of the life experience that they're having. And a great leader is able to align the needs of people and the needs of the company. And Tony fits into that category very much so. He is a great leader. And you are an author because, you know, I mean, you cannot you cannot work with somebody like Tony Robbins and not be great. So no doubt, you know, that's why we have you here. You are, you are a great person and you have so much value to share. You are an author. Yes. I wrote a book. It's called The Invisible Organization and it's available on Amazon. And the book is all about how to take a company and turn it into a virtual company, a virtual organization. And the book came from my experience 
running one of Tony Robbins' companies called Business Breakthroughs and having 300 staff outside the company. In fact, we never had an office. We didn't have a single piece of infrastructure. All we had was our phone lines and the internet and 300 people all over the world who worked with us on a daily basis. So the book is all about that process and the book is all about the mindset of the CEO who is running that organization. That's so important. I keep saying, and I, I, I must have said it's on the show quite a lot, and I keep saying to person I meet that small is the new big. Because I remember I had a, a brick and mortar store, Patwa Apparel, my t-shirts. And mm-hmm. just last year in 2000, 2016, I decided, you know what? No more. I am going to go virtual with everything. And so everything I do know, yes, of course, I have distribution where I distribute to some, you know, uh, businesses and some other stores and so on. But my business is now online. Everything I do online, my books are sold online. You know, this podcast, of course, is online. Small is a new big. What would you say to persons who have this notion that they must have some building that they wake up to go into every morning or else they're not running a business? What do you say to that? There's usually two reasons or three reasons why people want to have buildings. The first reason is they may need a building for servicing clients or customers. I mean, if you're a dentist, you can't go virtual. Let's put it that way. But at the same time, you have to ask yourself, is this building really necessary? Meaning, do the people who work for me, can they do their job if they were working at home? The the real reason people have uh, staff show up at a building is because they're afraid they're going to lose control if they don't. And the way that they try or strive to stay in control is by having those people show up at 9 a.m. or 8.30 a.m. every morning. The issue really isn't that at all. In fact, if you follow the directions in my book, The Invisible Organization, you'll learn how to manage people remotely far more efficiently than you could in your own building. You'll learn how to use systems that keep track of people's activities so that in the end, the only thing that really counts is their true performance. So instead of judging people by whether you like them or not, or how many sick days they had, or how well they get along with others, instead what we do when we transition people to work from home is we judge them entirely on their performance and their productivity. Well, what this does, of course, is it makes the employee a much happier person. They no longer have to fight with traffic and breathe in the smog of the, of the highway every day and instead can get up in the morning and walk into their kitchen or their bedroom and and go right to work. And they're happy because they get to eat the food that they want. They get to take care of their pets. They get to be able to take time off to do a school visit if they have to for a kid. These are all part of life. And I think as our uh, as our world evolves and we pay more and more attention to the lives of uh, that we live, not just the singular life of work, but the holistic life of the world we live in, then working from home is inevitable. It's going to be where most of the uh, most of us as people end up working. For persons who are working from home, you mentioned about systems earlier. What are some of the systems that can be put in place to ensure you know the, the smooth running of our businesses? Sure. Well, I'll give you some examples. First of all, on my book site, invisibleorganization.com, I do have a resources tab which... If you buy the book, it's only $10. You get to access the Resource Center, which reviews dozens and dozens of different systems for remote usage. 
But let me give you an idea of the types of systems we're talking about. And many of us already use these types of systems. If you use CRM, like Salesforce or Infusionsoft, that's a virtual system. If you use any form of email, that's a virtual system. If you use a virtual call center, like Skype, that's a virtual system. So our goal in building a virtual company is to utilize all our systems virtually. But here's the most important part. It's not the systems that make a successful virtual company. It's the mindset of the CEO. The mindset of the CEO dictates exactly how successful that company will be. And by understanding the difference between the mindset of a CEO of a virtual company and one of a brick and mortar based company, you will quickly realize that it focuses entirely on communications. If you are a good communicator, then the transition will be easier. If you're not a good communicator, if you don't like to communicate on a regular basis and work with the media, work with your voice, work with writing and, and work with coaching people, then this will be harder for you. But those who are and those who are best at it end up becoming great CEOs of virtual companies. Mm-hmm. What do you think at the time when you were nominated by um, Inc. Magazine as Entrepreneur of the Year, two separate occasions, what, and you, you also won Best Entrepreneur uh, by the National Association of Legal Vendors, what quality or attribute do you think um, contributed to that while you were being able to you know, be at the top? I, I think part of what that was was the fact that, number one, I had started to build a very successful business. I mean, we were one of the Inc. 500 top businesses out there at the time. We were growing very quickly. The other thing about it is that I was not willing to conform to the way business was done before. And in, I'll tell you one quick story. Uh, you know, we started selling our software and the American Bar Association came knocking on our door and said, wait a second, you need ABA certification before you can sell your software to lawyers. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, no one's going to buy your software if it's not ABA certified, and we do that certification. So when I heard him say that, I said, oh, sure, okay, well, then here's my software, go certify it. And he goes, not so fast. You have to pay us $43,000. Well, at that time, $43,000 could have been a million dollars. It wouldn't have made no difference. We certainly would never pay that. And so I said to him, well, what's the point of paying this? I don't understand. He goes, well, if you don't pay it, we'll blackball you and you won't be able to sell your software. And I said at that point, I said, well, why don't we let the market decide? So you take your ABA certification and you put it where the sun don't shine. And I'm just Mm going to go on and sell my software and let lawyers decide whether they like it or not. And uh, the interesting part to the story was, you know, they fought me and they fought me, but it didn't matter. We won in the marketplace. And here's the rub of that entire story. Two years later, they had disbanded the entire certification division for software at the ABA and invited me to be a keynote speaker at the ABA convention because of what I had done. Oh, my gosh. It is such an amazing story and a good point here at which we can end our conversation with Mitch Russo. Mitch, it has been such a, you know, honor having you on the show and you sharing your value with us. Now, you didn't mention that you have a giveaway for our community and also share that as well as your contact details. Remind us of that. Sure. 
So what I've done is, you know, I've been I've been coaching and consulting with people for many, many decades. And what I've done is I've compiled the top 37 tips, tools, and techniques that can help any business be successful. And uh, at the same time, as you know, I've started a new podcast. So if you go to my podcast page, and the name of my podcast is your first thousand clients.com. And if you go to my podcast page, you'll be able to both subscribe to the podcast and download the free tip sheet, which will be incredibly valuable in building your business. You could also get to my podcast from my homepage, MitchRusso.com. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mitch. It has been a pleasure. I certainly learned a lot from you, and I know our community did. They are inspired, and of course, their performance will can only be peaked by listening to you. So thank you so much. My pleasure. My, my, my. How time flies when we are having fun. Another great show has ended. Thank you so much for tuning in. And today I want to give a very special shout out to one of our very loyal supporters, Kiddist McCoy, who is president of the Good Deeds Foundation, who has been selected as one of the Young Leaders of the Americas Initiative Professional Fellows Program 2017. Kiddist hails from Jamaica. Congratulations, Kiddist. Well deserved. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please give me some love in iTunes. Subscribe, rate and review and download the episodes. Leave a comment on the show notes page on hennikawatkisporter.com as well. I would truly appreciate that. The beauty of doing this podcast is that in addition to speaking with some amazing guests, I also get to become affiliated with some excellent products and services. For example, host Gator, who hosts my website, they have some great deals going on if you are looking for web solution. If you click on the link on my homepage, you can get to take advantage of these deals as well. Remember to check out our sponsors page, Patwa Apparel at patwaapparel.com. That's P-A-T-W-A-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Until next time, remember, you were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. What good? 